Welcome to Manowaker Studios Flash Fiction Podcast. I'm CB Derogi. A quick note before we begin. Would you like to know more about one of the authors featured on Flash Fiction Podcast? Check manowaker.com for contributor bios. This week, There You Are, My Love, by Michelle Ann King. I glance at my program. Clairvoyance with Sheila Blackburn runs for 50 minutes. Some workshops are included in the ticket price. I arrive early and did crystal healing to pass the time, but this one cost another tenner. Every seat in the hall was taken, and the program says Sheila's books are available for purchase, with private sittings arranged on request. The last painting I sold was an acrylic of a derelict St. Paul's Cathedral being reclaimed by nature. It took me three weeks and went for 300 pounds. Sheila's hourly rate puts mine to shame. I skim the rest of the entry. It reminds attendees that mediumship isn't scientifically proven and we should therefore consider what we're doing as participating in an experiment. My sister would have loved that one. Welcome to the arse covering age, she'd have said. No promises, no guarantees and definitely no refunds. Roz used to come with me but she'd never even attempted to believe. She just didn't want me left on my own. It's the artistic temperament that worries people, I think. I'm a painter. My father was a painter. My father killed himself. Two plus two equals don't let Marcus out of your sight in case he does something stupid. Roz was far closer to Dad than I was, but nobody worried about her like that. Biologists don't kill themselves. Scientists are sensible people. It takes sensible things to kill them. Cars, for example. Turns out that car crashes kill them just fine. Sheila takes her place on stage. She's about 50, with brown hair and a short, bouncy cut. Mediums don't have a common style, from what I've seen. Some go for approachable granny, some for aging hippie, some for sharp-suited businessman. Most could be anyone or anything. A librarian, an electrician, an accountant... Probably not a biologist, though. I have the name Robert, she says, getting straight down to business. Robert, Rob, Bob. She has a lovely voice, smooth and lilting. A girl raises a tentative hand from the second row and is rewarded with a warm, crinkle-eyed smile. There you are, my love, Sheila says. Roz would have been shaking her head already. This is too easy, she'd have said. Young men don't call themselves Bob, so it's not a brother. She's in her twenties and looks affluent, so statistically speaking, her father's not dead. Nobody in London cares about the extended family anymore, so it's not an uncle. Since there are already tears in her eyes, I predict we have a recently deceased Grandfather Bob. Sheila holds out her hands toward the girl in the second row. He's your granddad, my love, yes? And he hasn't been gone long at all. The girl nods vigorously and gives her a tearful smile. The audience claps. If Rose were here, she wouldn't be clapping. What exactly do you think's going to happen? She'd be asking me. One of these people is going to channel Dad's spirit and tell you that he loves you, he's proud of you, he respects your work. He couldn't say any of that when he was alive. Do you really think he's going to make more of an effort once he's dead? No, I say softly. No, I don't. The woman in the next seat gives me a strange look. Shayla's working her way through Bob's cause of death. She starts with heart disease, most common cause of death, 
Roz would have reminded me, swiftly moves through Cancer, the second, and gets the hit with a stroke. He had trouble with his breathing, didn't he, darling, towards the end? More nodding, more clapping. Roz would be snorting. The poor bastard was dying, she'd say. Having trouble breathing is pretty much the definition of the word. Sheila tells us about Anne next. Uzia for her husband, a balding chap three rows in front, who doesn't say or even nod much. It doesn't give Sheila a lot to work with. Anne tells him that she loves him, that she's happy now, that her pain is all gone. We clap. At this point, Ross would roll her eyes, offer her opinion on trite, meaningless platitudes, and walk out. She never did last a whole session. I get up, mutter an apology to the woman next to me, and slip past her into the aisle. Sheila moves on to Gerald, who is looking for his son. He's pulling her towards the left of the hall. The left side of the hall was my side. Gerald was my father's name. Where are you, darling? Sheila calls. Your father is looking for you, my love. I carry on walking. I can picture Roz waiting for me by the door, arms folded. You know this is old bollocks, she'd say. At best you've got some well-meaning but deluded people using cold reading without realising that's what they're doing. At worst you've got outright premeditated fraud. So why the hell are you still coming to these places, Marcus? What can you possibly be getting out of it? On the way out, I stop at the front desk. It's covered in brochures for forthcoming events. Psychic fairs, mind-body-spirit festivals, more evenings of clairvoyance. Roz would try her best to talk me out of taking any. I know exactly what she would say. She was never more passionate than in the defence of rationality and reason. She's never more real to me, never more alive than in these moments, when I can imagine her glaring and calling me a fool as I stuff my pockets with leaflets. I can see her face, her voice, so clearly. We never had much common ground before, but now we do. Now we have this. The woman at the desk gives me a bright smile. Did you find what you were hoping to, honey? I smile back, while in my mind's eye, Roz prepares for battle once more. Yes, I say. I always do. This has been There You Are, My Love by Michelle Ann King and previously published at Everyday Fiction. The Flash Fiction podcast theme song is by Kevin McLeod. I'm C.B. Drogi. Thanks for listening. Episode 0123. Production copyright 2016. C.B. Drogi and Manowaker Studio.